So what is it gonna take to put you into a brand new Agile contract today? That's right, folks. Today we're talking about incentives. Larry Ash from Zygos Consulting sent in a request to talk about what are the Agile incentives. But first, in response to a request I've been receiving regarding what it is I'm drinking in these videos, I thought tonight we'd start a new segment where I tell you. Um, the, one of the questions I get a lot is, am I always drinking the same thing? I just want to point out, maybe we're losing focus here, but that's okay, I'll humor you. Um, so no, I'm not always drinking the same thing. On tonight's episode, it happens to be Old Smoky Tennessee. Uh, it's a espresso whiskey that was brought back to me by my in-laws when they went camping in Tennessee. And uh, so there you have it. So um, good evening, Agile Acquisition Enthusiasts. Welcome back to the Underground Digital Tiki Bar. It's Friday night, and that means it's time for another episode of Agile Acquisitions and Alcohol. So cheers. I feel like I'm supposed to do a review of that. It's good, it's sweet, it has a coffee flavor, as you might have guessed, um, and it's, uh, it's pretty good. So let's talk contracts. Okay, so we're talking incentives tonight, and I thought it'd be a good idea to first take a look at where do we find incentives when it comes to regulations. Well, under FAR, or Federal Acquisition Regulation 16.4, the entire section is about incentives, and it talks about fixed price incentives and cost reimbursable incentives, and then further delineates between award fee incentives and incentive incentives, or, uh, and the difference is really subjective versus objective, and we're going to talk about that tonight. There's also a third category of incentives, which is award term incentives, and we'll talk about that as well. So let's get going. So. First off, let's talk about fixed price versus cost reimbursable. Well, if you've been watching these videos, you know that when I talk about Agile development, I generally suggest we shouldn't be using cost reimbursable because Agile development is commercial software development services. Ergo, it's commercial services. Ergo, we should be using FAR 12 and hopefully FAR 13.5, if we're below $7 million at least, in which case we shouldn't actually be using cost reimbursable. And for good reason, when you think about cost reimbursable, there's a lot that goes into it. Cost reimbursable allows all costs that are allowable, allocable, and reasonable. But in order to account for that, the company has to have a sufficient accounting system. This requires certification in most cases. But if we're trying to attract a lot of non-traditional companies into this, into this area to, to compete, they may not have, and most likely don't have, government-approved certified accounting systems to necessarily be able to compete on these. And allowing companies that don't have cost accounting systems to do cost reimbursable uh, contracts can be somewhat risky to both parties. Okay, so let's set cost reimbursable aside and we'll talk about fixed price incentives. Of course, remembering the other type of contract that would be available to us would be time and material. It's unusual to have incentives associated with them because the fee or the profit is fixed into the hourly rate and so there, there's not much room to incentivize. Although it's not impossible, and I would say there, there's a good conversation to be had in another video about that. But all that, let's just talk about the award term versus incentive fee contracts, or award fee versus incentive fee contracts. So an award fee contract is based off of what we call subjective uh, terms. So basically, they're an evaluation, the topics are given and they're evaluated, and subjectively, based on the interpretation of the award fee determining official, the vendor will receive a percentage of the total available fee in the award fee pool, okay? The incentive fee is the 
very objective incentives, which are often tied to like service level agreements, things that are very clearly hit or not hit. And you can incentivize all sorts of things, and I would encourage you to go to 16.4 because it actually breaks it out. But you, can, you could incentivize cost savings or your delivery time or quality. All of these are different items you can incentivize. Um, and I mentioned before award term incentives. Award term incentives are something that are not commonly used. I uh, have seen them used, and essentially what it is, is based on a certain level of performance, the next period is the award, so you get another a guaranteed period of performance. I think it's a good idea. I also think there's a lot of like, yeah, but what ifs and what ifs. So if you think about it, uh, the government can't be anti-deficient, so it can't actually guarantee an award term regardless of the performance. So that would put you in a situation of essentially a contingent liability if the contractor performed at like say exceptional and exceptional was the standard at which they would get the next term. So in order to do it, you have to put in some sort of statement that says subject to availability of funds. But that kind of defeats the purpose of the award term because if a contractor is performing exceptional and the funds are available, you're most likely going to give them the next period. One place where this might be valuable would be in a multiple award environment, uh, like an IDIQ, and a vendor receives an award for an initial task order to build the MVP, for example, and you say there's an award term for the next, and, and breaking it up into like, let's say six month periods. And I know this causes some consternation in industry because it's difficult to staff up a team for potentially only six months and then figure out what you're gonna do with these people or unfortunately potentially let them go. Because remember, the, the key word there is people, they're people. Um, you don't want to just bring someone on and then six months later say sorry, you know, have to let them go. And for smaller businesses, unfortunately, that's what will happen. So the idea of if we perform exceptionally, um, then we'll get this next period subject to the availability of funds could incentivize better behavior. Um, is it worth it? It's worth experimenting with. I have uh, mixed feelings on it, to be totally honest. Um, you know, I kind of come from the, you know, whatever happened to just doing your best because of the satisfaction of a job well done. Eh? Maybe? I don't know. I think so, right? I think, in, I think in the space of agile development, it really attracts companies that are just, yeah, they want to make a profit, of course, but they're also altruistic in wanting to help the mission. And uh, it's just a totally different paradigm. And, and I'm not saying the traditional companies don't have that. In fact, I would say when the traditional companies move over or departments within the traditional companies have moved over to the agile and iterative develop, you see a lot more of that even from them. So I, I think it's the nature of the beast, right? I mean, in order to be able to do this sort of pace of iterative development of constantly delivering high quality, you have to be passionate about it. And I think it's easy to tell when the passion isn't there and when the quality isn't there because you're getting the products in your hands repeatedly, obviously, every couple of weeks or every month. And so all of this is to say to, to Larry Ash's question, I personally don't use incentives very often because I think the contract itself is the incentive and I set it up in such a way that if the contractor is not incentivized any further to bring their A team or their at least their B team and deliver, well, I don't care which team they bring, as long as they're delivering quality repeatedly, um, then I don't want them anymore. And I don't think dangling like a little bit more money in front of them is gonna do that. I think companies want the past performance. They want to help the government agencies meet their mission. They wanna help citizens just as much as we do. And I think that's the incentive. I really do. I mean, 
call me a dreamer, but uh, I believe it. I've seen it over and over again. So there you have it. That's my feelings on incentives. I think they're really important under cost reimbursable contracts, under Agile. I think you can experiment with them. I just don't necessarily think they're there. And I think the nature of Agile is such that making incentives very clearly defined upfront is, is just difficult because the nature of Agile means things are gonna change. You're gonna have to be adaptive. And so unless you're adaptive in your incentives, um, then you know they're not gonna align sooner than later. So there you have it. That's uh, Agile Incentives. Larry, thank you for the questions. Uh, he gave me a bunch of other ones, so I'm sure we're gonna see these again or, or see some other ones. And anyone else who has questions or topics that you would like me to talk about, please send them in. Um, you know, and like these videos if you like them, subscribe if you haven't, and most importantly, keep innovating. Until next week, cheers. Espresso whiskey, man. That's a thing. Okay, so we're talking Agile metrics tonight, and I think it's important to first always discover where is the idea that we're talking about come from. Well, in this case, uh, incentives, or whether they're in, um, the uh, more objective incentives. But first, I've received a lot of requests asking what it is I'm drinking on the, in the. But first, I've been asked. But first, we're going to start a new segment tonight because I've been getting a lot of requests to ask. But first. But first, 